Welcome to this week's podcast from Church on the Rock. We hope that it will challenge and inspire you to be a more passionate follower of Jesus. For more information about Church on the Rock, visit us at cotrcalera.com. be kind of flipping through uh, a lot of different passages of scripture today as we kind of begin a new series here um, at Church on a Rock and looking at something different that we, uh, and I really, over the past week or so, I really felt compelled to kind of head in this direction and and talk about this. So I really believe that God has a word for some of you, for many of you, uh, as it pertains to this. And so um, we're excited about this. So we're going to be talking about you know, the goodness of God, or um, I guess the title of the series is called Good, Good Father, and we're going to be looking at some stuff there and, and everything. So, but before we get there, I have a, a story I want to tell, and I got uh, Pastor Devin wants to come share a few things about that's going on in kids and youth and stuff. Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good morning. Man, I'm sorry. You guys got to forgive me. I'm a little bit out of breath. I just led kids through back-to-back worship songs. <sighs> You've heard the say, don't trust a skinny chef. Don't trust a skinny pastor either, all right? Because that means they ain't doing worship right. All right, so, look, guys, my name is Pastor Devin. I'm the generation pastor here uh, at Church on the Rock. Uh, my wife and I have been here for a little while now. We absolutely love it. One of my goals and one of my... Uh, duties, I guess you could say, uh, is I get kids in the morning and youth at night. Yay! (laughs) It is so much fun, though. I told somebody that the other day, and he goes, let me get this straight. You voluntarily, kids, followed by teenagers. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, how? I said, man, I love it. You guys have no idea how much fun it is to be able to watch God move throughout the life of a teenager or a child. To watch God move in a way that it can only be explained by him doing it. It's so much fun. In fact, so much fun that uh, several times throughout the year, uh, we'll have different youth parties, different youth events. At least once a month, though, parents, I'm sorry, not sorry. I'll fool them up on pizza and sugar. All right? So, that's actually going to be tonight. So, tonight at 6 o'clock, Impact Youth Ministries uh, will meet in the uh, cafeteria behind uh, the auditorium in here uh, at 6 o'clock. And one of our leaders, uh, Michaela Lucas, is actually going to share her story. So, we're in the process right now of doing a a series called This Is My Story. And basically, the premise of it is this. Everybody, even in here, every teenager, they have a story to share. And they have a story that they can use to change the life. Of somebody else. So that's the reason we're doing that. In children's ministry, though, right now, actually, we're starting a brand new one today, a brand new series today. It's called Share the Good News. And basically, it's helping and it's empowering kids to talk to their friends, to talk to anybody that they can, that they feel comfortable with, empowering them to share the awesome and cool things that God is doing in their life. So basically, point it to say this we have a lot of things that God is doing here at Church on the Rock. We're so glad to have you guys. Again, my name is Pastor Devin. If you have any questions for me, I'll be in the back today uh, helping out with getting everybody checked out of children's ministry. So if you guys have any questions, please come see me. Thank you all. All right. You know, uh, you know how it is, right? In, in every church, the, your children and youth pastors, the resident crazy person. Um, you know, the crazy person that loves Jesus, of course, right? So 
Um, what's, hey, did you, <laughs> ah, yeah, I know, right? <clears throat> oh, boy, I should have waited for him to walk away. Anyways, um, so I heard a story about this little girl uh, who, was, uh, who was sitting and watching her mother uh, do all the dishes in the kitchen sink. So she's kind of hanging watching mom, you know, do kind of go through all her stuff. And she suddenly noticed that her, uh, her mom had several um, pieces of hair in her, uh, uh, well, several, you know, pieces of uh, strands, I guess, of white hair that were in with her, you know, dark brunette hair. And so it kind of, you know, got her a little, you know, thinking about, you know, like, Where's, where's the white coming from, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, she, you know, she looks at her mom, and after a few minutes of thinking about it and pondering, she asks, like, why, why are some of your hairs white, Mom? And so her mother replied, well, uh, every time you do something wrong and make me cry or unhappy, one of my hairs turns white, right? You know, like, wow, get them good. Uh, one of my hairs turns white. So the little girl, you know, it's like, of course, she doesn't know any better, right? So she sits there and thinks about that for a little bit, this revelation that her mom had given her. And then she says, well, Mom, how come all of Grandma's hair is all white? <laughs> right? Now, um, one of the interesting things for me is, you know, I got a four-year-old now, and she, you know, it's all of, you know, every kid that you have as they grow up, they all, right? I mean, there's even whole TV shows on, like, kids say the darndest things. So... Uh, my four-year-old recently has started talking about the fact that, like, if, uh, I think it was just probably, like, two days ago, actually, we were coming home from uh, her school or daycare, and she was like, yeah, uh, you know, Miss So-and-so or one of her teachers has all white hair, and I was like, oh, really? And I'm like, where did she go? She's, she's like, that means she's going to heaven soon. <clears throat> I'm like, what the? Oh. No, okay. I said, but I got white hair too. Yeah, you're going to heaven soon too. <clears throat> whoa, 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 okay. I, just because you have white hair, no, she wasn't having it. That's just the way, I don't know. Isn't it crazy how they think sometimes? But um, so we're going to be talking about um, the goodness of God, uh, God being good. And there's, you know, like I, I understand as we kind of talk about this today, that, that um, this, I don't know, may seem like, do, do we really need to talk about God being good? Do we really need to have a conversation about, you know, the, the fact that God is a good God? You know, I think that, you know, most people, if they, they live in church or grew up in church for a while, they kind of have this understanding that God is a good God or, you know, um, you know, for the most part, I think that, and we sing it even this, this morning, we sang a song, you know, called, uh, you know, his goodness is running after me, that he's been, all my life, he's, he's been faithful, he's been so, so good. There's another song that we sing called Good, Good Father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. You know, we sing these things about God being good, and I think we all understand, if you've been in church for any period of time, you understand the fact that, well, you know, God is good. Um, and what, 10 years ago, there was the, you know, the the kind of the popular thing to do is the pastor would say, God is good, and everybody else would say, right? And then the pastor would say all the time, and everybody else would say, God is good, right? You know, we don't do that anymore. It's not cool. <clears throat> but um, it's still 
kind of portrayed a message. It still sent a message that we all kind of understood. This idea that God is good. And I think sometimes we, we know that God is good. Like we know mentally that God is good. But sometimes maybe it doesn't really connect with our faith. All right. And so let's talk about this for a second, because I believe this, the idea or the, the, the principle that one of the foundational elements of your faith, if you're going to have faith in God, one of the foundational things that has to be there is this core belief inside of you that God is a good God. Okay? If you're going to have faith in God, you have to believe that God is good. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, um, and let me turn there real quick. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 6, it says this. And, of course, Hebrews chapter 11 is the, you know, the chapter on faith and everything. But Hebrews eleven six, it says right here, it says, Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. All right? So, first off, you know, the writer of Hebrews here says that without faith... You cannot please God. In other words, there, there will never be a moment in your life that you will ever be pleasing to God unless it's accompanied by faith. All right? You have to have faith in your life in, in order to please God. Faith is the way that we go about pleasing Him in everything that we do. It's necessary. And so we have to have faith, not only that He exists, but that He's a rewarder. Okay? So in order for you to believe that God is a rewarder, you have to believe that God is good. Okay? That's, you know, a, a general concept, a general idea there. Also, if you move down and go back to the very first verse of Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Okay? So faith is the reality of what is hoped for. You know what hope is? Because faith is reality of what we hope for. So in order to know what faith is, you have to know what hope is, all right? Because without hope, you cannot have faith, all right? So what is hope? When you look at the original language, the Greek language that was written, um, you know, about God's word, the word hope literally means, okay, expectation of good, okay? The expectation of good. It's almost like this, that hope, listen, hope is having an expectation that something good is going to happen for you in your future. Because hope always points to the future, right? So faith is the, faith is the, um, remember, faith is the reality of what we hope for. Faith is the belief that right now in my life, God is good because I know that good things are going to come to me in my future, Right? So that's what it is. So, and, and remember, you have to have faith in order to please God. We, we don't please God by going to church. We don't please God by giving, by serving, by worshiping, by singing, by greeting, by playing instruments, by being a pastor, by going to a prayer meeting, by doing any. None of these things are things that please God in and of them by themselves. Okay? They have to be accompanied with faith. Otherwise, they're not pleasing to God. Because listen, all of these things that we talked about right here, the Pharisees did these things, you know, to the nine. They were, they were, they were generous. They memorized the Bible. They prayed. They went to the temple. They even taught in the temple. They were pastors. They were leaders. They did all of these things. They did all the religious things that you can do. But Jesus looked at them and said that you're like dead men's bones. 
And the reason why he told them that they were like dead men's bones is because there was no faith in the reality of who God was right there in the moment. They were looking back at all this stuff and they had created a shell and a form, a ritual, right? But faith is about now. Faith is about now. And so what we do is we do the things that we do in faith. I worship God in faith. I give in faith. I come to church in faith. I serve in faith. All of these things are things that I do because I believe that as I walk in faith, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That God is a rewarder of those who seek after Him and seek to honor Him and seek to please Him in everything that we do. It has to be accompanied by faith. Otherwise, it is meaningless. So we have this idea, listen, that we have to have faith in order to please God. And in order to have faith, we have to have hope. And hope is having a positive expectation of our future. Last week, I told a, I told a story about um, the two different kinds of farmers. You remember the positive farmer and the negative farmer? You remember the story last week, right, where the positive farmer said, Oh, look, look, the sun is out and the sun's going to give all of my plants the nutrients that it needs um, to grow. And, and then the negative farmer was like, yeah, but it's, if it stays like this a long time, it's going to scorch the ground. All right. And then the, the positive when it rained, the positive farmer was like, oh, look, it's water for my plants to grow. And and, um, you know, my, you know, the, the, to give the nutrients that they need and the negative farmers. Like, yeah, but if it keeps this up, it's going to, you know, it's going to soil. It's going to, you know, mess up the soil or, or rot the roots of the plants. All right. And then so the story, it's actually, you know, kind of a joke where they're both uh, in a boat duck hunting, duck hunting together. And the positive farmer's got a new dog and, and this dog's a duck hunting dog. And he shoots the, shoots a duck out of the sky and the duck falls all the way down into the lake. And the positive farmer looks to the negative farmer and says, hey, watch this. Right? The dog jumps out of the boat, runs across the top of the water, picks up the duck, runs back across the top of the water and gets back into the boat. And the positive farmer's like, oh, yeah. You like that, don't you? And the negative farmer's like, I should have known he couldn't swim. <clears throat> right? So, like, here's the thing. So, like, it doesn't really matter... Uh, it doesn't really matter what situation you find yourself in life. Like you can, you can find negative things about your life. Doesn't matter where you're at. You can find bad things to look at in your life. It doesn't matter what you're going through and where you're at. There's always something that you can do. All right. And so, what what are we talking about? Because we, you know, we talk about the you know the eternal pessimist versus the optimist, and like, well, I'm just a you know, I was born and raised a pessimist. This is the way my mommy and daddy were. This is just the way I am. It's just I'm a no. See. It's not really the way you are. You don't have to be that way if you don't want to. You don't have to look at all the bad things in your life. And the truth be known is that Scripture tells us that as believers, okay, that he is the God of all hope. Okay? May the God of all hope. You know, so if, if, the, if God, who we have faith in, who we trust in, who has come to take residence inside of our life, who has changed our spirit, man, if he abides in us and we in him, all right, then the God of all hope, that hope will fall upon us, right? Because now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, right? So we know the greatest is love, but you still, faith and hope are great spiritual things to have. So we should be walking in hope. We should have hope in our life. Listen, no matter how bad the circumstances are in our life, we still can hold on to hope. 
if nothing more, to hope that one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to eliminate sin and suffering and death on the earth and all these kinds of things. He's going to eliminate all these things and he's going to bring us into glory where there will be no tears, there will be no suffering, there will be no sin. And we know that's going to be a great day. And that's, that's something that we, listen, that's a positive expectation of our future. All right? A positive expectation of our future. This, this idea, but listen, what we're talking about is this idea that God is good. Okay? This idea that God is good. Um. I want to read a couple passages of scripture. It says, it says the Lord, in Exodus chapter 30, verse 6, it says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. In, in Chronicles 16, 3, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercies endure forever. And first, listen, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And in Ezra chapter 3, verse 11, it says, And they sang responsibly praise and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. In Psalms chapter 25, 8, it says, Good and upright is the Lord. In Psalms 23, 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, that the whole idea, like surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. How, how can that not be filled with, with all the hope that there is that good, listen, that, that as, we, as we abide in God, as we live in him, as we've, listen, because that, that comes from the passage of the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He shall make me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff will comfort me, right? And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. All the, this, is, this is David talking. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've thought about all the days of your life before today. Once you come into a realization that God is good and he wants good things for your life, all right, then you can start thinking differently. And when the circumstances around you look differently than what God says in his word, then you need to pull out God's word and you need to remind yourself that God is good and that he promises that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Let's keep going. Psalms 145, 9, it says, The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. In Mark chapter 10, verse 18, it says, No one is, no one is good but one, and that is God. No one's good. Jesus says, Jesus says, No one's good but the Father. There's nobody any good. This is the reason why people can't say, You know, how come, you know, what about, what about good people? Are they not going to go to heaven? The Bible says there's nobody good. Nobody's good. We're not good. We're not good people. The you know, scripture says the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're not, we're not good. Our righteousness on our best day, our best that we have to give to God is nothing more than filthy rags. Right? And so the scripture says that there's no one good. This whole idea of what is good and what is evil only comes from God anyways. The idea that when the concept that we get only comes from him. He, he's implanted it inside of our mind and, part of, and a part of our spirit so we can know what is morally right, right and wrong. 
Okay, when you talk about morality, who, who establishes morality? Now, you know, certainly, you know, the local government that you live in can establish laws that really probably have nothing to do with what we say biblical morality. But God is the one that establishes morality inside of us. And that's the reason why we even have this concept of what is good and evil. Animals, even apes, who a lot of this world think that we come from, where, where's their moral guide? Where's, where's morality? And how did morality even come from them? At what point in the journey of become from an ape to a man did morality settle inside of our mind, inside of our heart, where we say, you know what? Murder is wrong. Because it doesn't matter where you live and where you go, everybody knows that murder is wrong. You can grow up okay, in a, a South African jungle. Okay, and, the, and live in a village with, with no, you know, um, with no Bible and, and no teacher and, and no government. All right, you can live out there and you know that if somebody comes and kills one of your family members, that that person did something wrong to you. You will know that intrinsically in your heart. Why? Because God is the one that has established that moral law inside of us. And the reason why God can establish that moral law in us is because God is the reason why we know what is good. Because he's good. And he can't help but be good all the time. In James chapter 1 verse 1 it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? If we know, if I know how to give good things to my four-year-old, I'm not going to give her a poisonous steak on Christmas. I'm not going to give her something that's going to hurt her. Even though the heart of man is desperately wicked and even though I've got my own issues, I know how to give good gifts to my children. And this is what Jesus says, if we know how to do it, how much more our Father in heaven knows how to good, give good gifts to those who ask. In Psalms chapter 27, 13, it says, I would, have, um, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, David here saying, I would have lost heart. Man, I, you know what? Um, I would have lost heart a long time ago except for the fact that I believed that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, like I, I just... You know, there's a lot of things that happen in this world that can cause us to lose heart. There's a lot of things going on in our world today that can cause us to lose heart. There's a lot of problems and issues that are everywhere all the time. They're constantly around us. We, and, and some of those problems are personal. We have some of those problems in our own life, problems with our children, problems with our, our finances, problems with our health. Problem, all, these, all these problems exist there, and, and sometimes it's just so easy for those things to come and to affect us in a negative way. So much to the point where even David says, man, I, I would have lost heart a long time ago if it wasn't for the fact that I believed that I'll see the goodness of God. That I'll, I'll believe that God is good, and he will do good things. Now that right there, and look, that's not even, that's not even all of the passages in the Bible that talks about the goodness of God. But it speaks about the character and the nature 
of who God is. Now, but let me ask you this. What do we do when our reality doesn't reflect what the Bible says about God? What do we do when our reality doesn't reflect what the Bible has to say about God? And what I mean by that is, like, there are times that we can sit around a life and say, like, you know, well, if God was really good, then why did this happen to me? Or why does this happen? If God is really good and he really loves me, then why does this happen? All right? And, and we can ask those questions. I, I can tell you, I can tell you even now, like I've got two, you know, I got two friends. I'd say they're really good friends. One's a really good friend. The other one's, you know, we'd hang out together if I ever reached out. We, you know, we don't talk as much as we used to, right? One of them uh, had a son who got a, a tumor on the back of his brain stem, right back here on the back of his neck. And, uh, and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to heal him. And the kid never got healed and he died of a brain tumor. I've got another friend of mine who had um, a daughter who was, I don't know, three or four, who just one day wandered off and fell into a pool and drowned. Um, you know, and he prayed and asked God to bring her back. And um, it was devastating. Both of those friends of mine, um, you know, went through a lot of difficulty, uh, went through uh, a, 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 a lot of struggle in their own life. And this, these are the kinds of things that happen around us. Uh, and they're not the only examples. Um, um, we all have um, things that have happened to us. Or, um, you know, maybe somebody's done something to hurt us or to offend us or to, um, you know, there's lots of things. I, I know that I dealt, uh, as a youth pastor for 10 years down in Florida, we dealt with several, even young people that had been molested by family members and uh, been taken advantage of, that had gone through uh, some difficult problems even in their own life. And, and they had a lot of questions about you know, God, and, and, and where's God in all of this? Where's God in this pain? Where's God in this suffering? You know, you, you talk about the fact that God is good, but where, what about all this suffering and these issues? Well, um, number one, uh, you know, there's, a, <clears throat> um, there, there's, there's some really good stuff here. Actually, as a matter of fact, I got a video, and I want to show it at this time that really probably in a, a, a short little clip that addresses a lot of this stuff. And I want, want you to watch this. Is God good? If he is, why is there suffering and evil? Let's assume for the moment that God is all-powerful. This means that God can do anything that is logically possible. So he can create galaxies and subatomic particles and rainforests and you. But God cannot do what is logically impossible. He cannot make a square circle or a one-ended stick. So can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? No. So what if when God created human beings, he wanted them to be free? Freedom's a good thing, but 
If humans are to be free, they cannot be forced to obey God, because freedom without choice is like a square circle. It's a logical contradiction. No choice, no freedom. God didn't want robots. He wanted real people. The first humans endowed with the awesome power of free choice abused their freedom. The tragic consequences of their bad choice and our bad choices ripple across the world. God is responsible for the fact of freedom, but humans are responsible for their acts of freedom. But let's remember, we don't suffer alone. God will put an end to suffering and evil, and God became a man to suffer with us. God is good, and He wants real people like you to know Him. But the free choice is yours. So it, that gives us a, a, a quick rundown. This idea that in order for God to, in order for God to eliminate suffering, He has to eliminate free choice. If He eliminates free choice, then we become. Um, he becomes a, a, a heavenly dictator. So because we have free choice and free will, we have chosen to do... So sometimes um, our, the hurt and suffering that exists in this world are a direct result of somebody choosing to do the wrong thing. And then there's other things that exist in this world um, that bring suffering and pain that are the direct result of sin, but not the direct result of somebody choosing in the moment to do something. For example, like famine and earthquakes and storms and uh, um, you know hurricanes and stuff like that that can bring, um, you know, a lot of pain and suffering to people, all right? But this idea that, that God is not good, so this, this thing that God is going to eliminate suffering, but it's just not going to happen today, and one of the reasons why we know that it's not going to happen today is because God is not willing, listen, the Bible says he's patient, he's slow and with his anger, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life, so the longer God allows our world to go on, it's not because he wants people to suffer more, but it's because he wants to give people the opportunity to, ch- more people the opportunity to choose him, to come to him. In other words, I want to give everybody the opportunity that I can so they can choose me and come to me. But this is the thing that we see in the scripture. And I I think that one of the things that we have to come back to is this idea, like when I talk about my friends who, who lost a child, and I can't even imagine the pain and suffering that comes along with that. You know, and, and the fact that we prayed and asked God, like, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I know that there's even times in my own life, like, I try, I, I want as much as I can to pray for people who are sick. Because I believe that the more sick people I pray for, the more sick people are going to get healed. All right, right? I mean, you're never going to catch a fish if your line's not in the water. And you're never going to see somebody get healed of sickness if you're not praying for them. Right? It's just not going to happen. All right, but there are plenty of times in my life where I've prayed for people to be healed and they didn't get healed. And there's lots of different things from a theological perspective where we can go back and forth and, and everything. And there's lots of questions that even I don't have answers for. But here's the thing that even when the, the outward evidence in my outward experience in this world doesn't seem to line up, it doesn't seem to make sense, it still is not going to cause me to question whether or not God is good. So just because I don't have all the answers doesn't mean that God isn't still good, right? He's still good, even though I may not understand all the whys. 
Right? Even though I may not understand why things happen the way they happen, it doesn't change the fact that God is still good. Okay? And that he is good all the time. And it's not something that he has to wake up and try to do. We have to wake up and make sure we are good people, that we are good to other people. All right? But God doesn't have to work at it. It is just who he is. All right? And I know you say, well, what about the Old Testament and all this kind of stuff? All right, all right? We're going to get into that on another day. All right? But you remember several of the passages I just read to you came out of the Old Testament. See, even the Old Testament, where we see God is kind of like this heavy-handed person over the nation of Israel, we see that even in the Old Testament, it speaks directly to this idea that God is a good God. He's good. Here's the thing, all right? So when we look at Scripture, we see this. In, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it tells us this, that Christ is the, invis- is the visible image of the invisible God, okay? Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, all right? And if you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what God the Father looks like, all right, then um, you can open up your scripture and read through the Gospels and you'll see Listen, he is the visible image of the invisible God. It's something I encouraged you last week. I think I would encourage you again this week. If you haven't, you know, just take the time to read through the Gospels several times. Just go Matthew through John and then start back over again. Go Matthew through John. All right, what this does, listen, it helps you get to know who Jesus is, which helps you get to know who God the Father is. All right, now in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 10, verse 38, um, the apostle Paul is testifying, um, and he's actually preaching and teaching. And he says this, and he says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All right? So Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. And what does is, what is, what is Paul say as a testimony to what Jesus did? Jesus went around doing what? Doing good. Okay? Jesus went around doing good and healing some of the people that were oppressed of the devil. Is that what I said? You going to let me preach something that ain't true? Huh? Jesus went around doing good and healing some of the people that were oppressed of the devil. Does it say that he healed some of the people that were oppressed of the devil? No, it didn't. It said that he healed all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, here's the thing that we know this. Listen, that when you look at the life of Jesus, there was only one time that Jesus wasn't able to perform many miracles. One time, it was when he was in his hometown of Nazareth. And it's because the people there were like, hey, isn't this the carpenter's son? I mean, this is just Jesus. Like, who is he? Like, what's he think he's doing? Like, you think he's like some kind of new prophet of today? This kind of, right? And it's because they said that he had such little faith. The people had such little faith that Jesus could only do a few miracles. Every other time, listen, every other time, everywhere Jesus went, the Bible says that he healed everyone that was brought to him. Okay? Everyone that was brought to him, every time, every time in Scripture, the only one time it happened, and Jesus says because they had no faith, all right? 
all the other times, okay, there, there were three main cities that Jesus did his miracles in. Listen, three main cities. And, and you remember scripture says that if all the things were written that Jesus did, the books could not contain the words, right? So in three cities, Jesus went around for three years and performing an enormous amount of miracles. That's the reason why, you know, when Jesus was, he was having that conversation, like if the miracles had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, had been done in front of you, they would have repented, all this kind of stuff, right? Because these people had seen an enormous amount of miracles because Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. All right? So we see this. So um, uh, it, it, it shows us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If this is who Jesus was, this is who God is. Now, why is it that my reality then doesn't line up with what I see in Scripture? And I would tend to say that this, and this is not to be offensive because even I have the same problem, right? Even I have the problem here as well, is that um, if there's a problem, the problem is not with God, right? I mean, because the Bible says that God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if he was this way then, he's that way now. So if the problem, the problem is typically not on God's end. It's not, it's not God's issue. The problem is sometimes our problem, all right? Um, and so if there is a place in our life where God can only do a few small miracles, then maybe we are, maybe we're Nazareth, all right? Maybe we're living in the land of Nazareth because we haven't really got to that place yet where we're seeing God blow open the doors with some incredible things. But it doesn't, listen, what, what, what we have to understand is this, is that what we experience in our world and what we see happening all around us doesn't change the reality of who God is, okay? So just because my experience doesn't line up with my theology, all right, it doesn't change. I'm not going to change my theology to meet my experience. I want to change my experience to meet my theology. In other words, and, and this is where faith and hope comes in, because hope is that I believe that God is going to do something good in my life in the future, and faith is this, this belief that right now I'm going to talk and live and act like God is doing good things in my life. Now, there may be bad things going on all around me all the time, but I'm still going to believe that God is good. And no matter what I'm experiencing right now in my life, I know that God is going to bring me through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death from time to time. I've had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death from time to time. You're going to have to walk through it. But listen, you're walking through it. It's going to be okay. God's going to bring you to the other side because God is good and he's good all the time. You just have to understand that. Uh, Mike, if you'll come. Wherever you... <clears throat> also, you know, one of the things that we see, listen, and, and this is true. Uh, it, it, the Bible does tell us that, that, every, that Jesus healed all the sick that were brought to him. Right? That doesn't mean that every sick person in all three of those cities were healed. All right. If that was the case, then there wouldn't have been any sick people when the when when Acts was written. All right. So when the apostles started the church, and they started doing things in the church, then you wouldn't have had sick people hanging around the city because Jesus would already heal them all. Right. 
right? So you have the man who was laid at the gate beautiful. Remember that uh, Peter and John came up to him. He said, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, I command you to rise up and walk. All right, so here's the thing. Just be, uh, it, it, it doesn't tell us that this idea that, that Jesus healed everybody, but we do know that Jesus healed all that were brought to him. And those that were brought to him were brought to him for a particular reason. All right? And that reason was because that people begin to see the fact, listen, they begin to see the fact that Jesus was doing something different than nobody else did. And he was giving credit to the Father. So listen, here's what's happening. On the inside of people, they begin to have this hope like, well, maybe, maybe God will do something for me. Maybe, maybe if I can, listen, maybe if I can reach out and just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his robe, then I'll be healed. Maybe if I can cry out loud enough to get his attention, that, that he'll, 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 he'll heal my blind eyes. Maybe, maybe if I walk up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you know, my servant is sick. If you'll just say the word. I believe it because I've heard of all the things that you've done. And it tells me of the character and nature of God, that he is good. And so right now in this moment, I believe that God wants to do something good. It it, it began to breathe hope into people. Listen, and that hope began to cultivate faith. And that faith began to burst forth. and, and, And now it wasn't even, listen, it wasn't even so much that the power of God was doing. It was their own faith. There were several times that Jesus healed people. And he says, go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And, and that, all, that all happened because they had hope, listen, that was able to ignite faith in them. And hope, hope begins when we begin to believe that God is good. God is good. Listen to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do infin- infinitely more then all we can ask or imagine according to is the power that is worked within us. Listen, to him who is able to do infinitely more than all we could ask or imagine. He's able to do infinitely more. Infinitely more. All Would you ask God to do something bad for you? Well, Lord, I just really need you to take away some of my finances. It's just too hard for me. I mean, right? I mean, like, Lord, I just really need to be sick. I, I just want mean, to, like, nobody, nobody asks for bad things. Nobody asks for bad things. Do you imagine God doing bad things for you, right? I mean, I just, I just, you know, I'm just having this dream that God is just going to do something bad. No, no, we don't. Why? So, infinitely more all we could ask or, or imagine that 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 con that that's a concept that comes from this idea that we believe that god is good and gives good gifts and wants to do good things for us right he's capable of doing all of that for us in romans chapter 8 verse 28 it says and we know that god causes everything to work together for the good of those who love god and are called according to his purposes. Listen, that God is able to cause everything. Come on, everybody say everything. Everything. God is able to cause everything. Listen, so the devil can throw his best at you. So the devil can hurt you. 
bring pain into your life. The devil can cause you to feel betrayed, to feel unloved, to feel worthless. The devil can cause you to feel hopeless, to feel like you have no future. The devil can cause you to feel sick, to feel powerless in every situation. Listen, the moment we become powerless is the moment we begin to make excuses, right? When we're, when we're powerless, we make excuses. That's the reason why we have to have the power of hope and faith in us. We won't make excuses anymore. We start looking for problems or start looking for solutions. We start looking for solutions through faith and hope. Listen, but God is able to cause everything, everything in your life to work together for your good. So whatever the devil throws at you, whatever the devil has done to you, whatever kind of hurt and suffering and pain that has gone on in your life, Scripture says that God can take that. And he's so good. Listen, he's so good that he can take the evil done to you in your life and make it something good. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Because he's good. All the time, he's good. All the time, he's good. Come on, will you stand to your feet today?